Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Zach and Miri Make a Porno, starring Seth Rogen, Elizabeth Banks, Craig Robinson, Jason Mewes, Tracy Lords, and Katie Morgan, written and directed by Kevin Smith. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. We are now in our post-Thanksgiving food coma and deciding, deciding to go forward and be thankful for some films out there, you know, whether it's films that, you know, we return to time and time again, films that we appreciate elements in them, whether that's writing, acting, directing, the whole shebang. Um, we're going to kind of do something just, we're picking from the grab bag this week with some films that we've either A, always wanted to talk about, but B, films we also really, really like. So Matt, today's your pick. You pick Zach and Miri. Uh, I'm excited to kind of hear about, you know, why you picked that. I actually think the first time I saw this was actually at a recommendation from you, actually. Was mm. Go check this out. So, Well, the reason I chose this is because you stole what I did want to do mm. in the middle of the show because I wanted to do Up in the Air. Mm-hmm. It felt very Thanksgiving-y. Mm-hmm. I think that movie does have a Thanksgiving theme to it, if not mistaken. This movie does. And too. this one does, too. I totally forgot about that. So, yeah, I did, too. And then I, well, when you t- when you said that, I was like, well, maybe we should just change course. And it. Sarah Marshall was also in the discussion, but we've kind of had a back and forth on there's maybe better casks to put that in. Sure, yeah. So, I don't know. We've talked about this on the periphery a lot. Let's jump in and do it. I was surprised another film didn't maybe jump to the consideration. But Solaris. I, uh, that one too, but also The Hustler. But I think we can kind of build casks around those particular films. So, Well, on my phone here, uh-huh. there's a little <laughs> sneaky list that I have of um, potential upcoming casts. Excellent. Perfect. I love and it. The, the Hustlers found its way into a couple of those lists Sweet. going forward. So. That sounds great. Yeah. Today we're going to do some Bottle Kill. This is Heritage Distilling Company. This is their dual barrel collection. This is a rye whiskey um, finished in vanilla extract barrels. Uh, so we're going to finish off this one and we're making our way in and uh, eliminating some of the stuff that's just been hanging out on our shelves for a bit. And then once we're back in the new year, we're going to start out with a really good bottle. Mm-hmm. So cheers to you. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. As far as rye goes, it, you'd be almost confused that that's a rye whiskey. And they're not lying with the vanilla. You get that vanilla taste there. And then the vanilla on the back end, it's actually a very pleasant pleasant yeah. drink. It doesn't doesn't really burn at all. But let's say we dive right, uh, right into our uh, flight question. Hit me with the horse, 20. vanilla ice yeah they, they, they <laughs> better than vanilla ice <laughs> yeah uh had a pretty cool reunion uh high school reunion maybe we'll talk about that on, on the show here but mm-hmm. go ahead and hit us with the flight question this week uh so the flight question is around kevin smith and i think that there's a discussion we'll get into today that is what genre of entertainment is kevin smith best suited for and he's had his his flippers and plenty of pools or <laughs> in plenty flippers, of pools his, or whatever. His tusks and plenty of pools. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Uh, but what I decided today was because he has such a strong relationship with the comic book universe and some film, mm-hmm. is I gave you a swing at any 
superhero property that you would like to see him helm past, present, future going forward? Excellent. Great, great question. Uh, I can't remember what shows. It was a YouTube, like, uh, talking about movies and stuff. And Kevin Smith was actually on, and they asked him a question, like, pitch a, a Batman movie. And I loved his pitch on, like, what he wanted to do. So that's actually going to be my my choice, which is mm-hmm. a variation on the Dark Knight Returns story, which, you know, has kind of been done already with Batman versus Superman. But he really wanted to tackle an aged Batman. But I loved his choice of who he wanted to play Batman. And it was George Clooney. He was like, talk about a redemption story to take the worst bat actor and the worst bat film and kind of do a decent, good film with that actor. I, I think, I don't know if Smith could do it because he's never done a movie to that scale before. Maybe the biggest thing he's done was Red State or probably Cop Out, right? Mm-hmm. With Willis and Tracy Morgan. Yeah. So scale-wise, so I don't know what that would even, a Kevin Smith blockbuster would even look like. Yeah. But I know he has an affinity for Batman. We know he's a Batman fan. He named his daughter after Harley Quinn, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really like that casting choice. I liked where his head was with that, being able to do something with that actor. And that would be the perfect story to do it. 60-year-old Clooney putting on the the cowl again, but a, a cowl with no nipples. Sign me up. I'd <laughs> love to see that. <laughs> a cowl with no nipples. That's a, that's a powerful cowl. Yeah. Good choice. Mm-hmm. It does seem... To fit in the space he's good at, which is street level, right? Mm-hmm. We keep getting back to that with comic books and street level, street level. Yeah. I love that choice. Good mm-hmm. one. Thank you. All right. Uh, I'm going to go back to some source material. So because Kevin Smith does have a nice career as a writer as well, um, I think that one of the challenges we could remove by using some of his own source material is a good story. And if he's the one that wrote the story, then he would understand the inner machinations and the workings of how it goes. So I'm going to go Daredevil. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the original one, played a part as uh, the mortician or something in there you're talking about. That guy. Yeah, yeah, that Ben Affleck uh, Daredevil film is so forgettable. Mm -hmm. And I actually do think Daredevil's had a pretty good run of late with Charlie Cox. And so there's some rumors that they are going to go forward with that now. There's Um, a lot of rumors. There's a lot of rumors. Uh, rumors we're going to see him in Spider-Man yeah. as the dare, as the lawyer. So, but regardless, all that I think if he was able to adapt Guardian Devil, mm. which is the Mysterio story, yeah, I think we could have something really fun to play with here. That'd be cool. The Frank Miller stuff is very very good. I think it might be a little too dark and out of place. That's very anti-establishment 1980s. Fuck the system. Mm-hmm. And certainly Kevin Smith and Gen X has that. There's no doubt. But his tends to be a little bit more on middle finger to the system with a touch of humor. Like self-referential. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Frank Miller was just like straight hater. So, <laughs> uh, right. So I'm going to go with Daredevil. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, that might be a little bit more appropriate than mine because I, you know, Daredevil can be big, but it's, it's a little bit more contained. You can contain it to one borough of New York, uh, you know, suburb hell's kitchen. We're both on the same place, though. If you yeah. think about the opposite of each other in the universe, Daredevil and Batman are very, very similar in their build. Yeah. They're really not a superhero other than Daredevil has amazing ability to do anything but see, yeah. like enhanced sight or hearing and all that. It, Daredevil and Moon Knight are the Marvel's versions of Batman. Well said. Yeah. Good. Um any consideration? I mean, he was close. I think the closest he's ever gotten to being in this space we're talking about was Superman Lives, the Tim Burton directed, and he wrote the screenplay. Any consideration for Superman? Or 
Not for me. Yeah, I don't think we're in that space right now of super-powered, almighty humans. I thought Flash, maybe. Okay. But I think the Flash is in fair shape right now. Um, I know the CW's really done a good job with it. Like, and I haven't watched in, I don't know, last three or four seasons. But um, He's got a movie coming out next year, too. Mm-hmm. So What about Aquaman? No. <laughs> hard pass for you on that yeah. one. Okay. Yeah, just a hard pass on that character right now. I know they can do it really well, and I think he's cast really well right now, but he's just so boring on screen. Like, they can't do anything interesting with it, and when they do, they just rip off every other movie that's existed. <laughs> but if you see his name attached to Quasar, you're there opening night. Sure, why not? <laughs> Yikes. Or Dazzler. All right, excellent. All the great great questions. It would be interesting to see, because, you know, he owns a comic book shop in New Jersey. I mean, he loves the lore. He loves that world. It's shocking that, you know these studios go with just like kind of unknowns in the genre. Like they know when they do interviews, they're like, yeah, I knew about the characters. Not until I got this job. Mm -hmm. He knows the characters. I mean, he's been reading and, you know, toying with them all rats, you know, all the references and all those films. So he's in that headspace. I'm curious why they haven't given him, you know, a shot at it. So we'll see. Did you see his six? um, I think it was maybe six or four crack that he took at crisis on infinite earth. Uh Uh-uh. On the CW? No. Oh. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Part of it is because they brought in all the characters from all of those CW shows, and I wasn't... Did he to... write and direct it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. The Anti-Monitor, yeah. and if, I don't know. Oh, uh, gross. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm excited. Let's jump head first. Let's dive right into our review breakdown of Zack and Mary. Where you going now? Mary's making me go. Listen to him. Why you always bending over backwards for that girl, knowing she ain't giving up no ass? We got a good thing going, man. She 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 pays half the rent, she does dishes, she wakes me up in the morning. Why complicate that with sex? Besides, man, I've known her since the first grade. You don't fuck someone you met in the first grade. Excuse me, I met my wife in kindergarten. We got married senior year, and she has been the queen of my world ever mm, since. Sort of. But what if you could do it all over again? I would jerk off and live by myself. That woman is the bane of my existence. See? Excuse me. Can I get a cup of coffee? Black. Can't you see we talking? White. White. (laughs) Craig T. Robinson is so good with that bit in this. He's so good in, like, just about everything I've ever seen him in. Like, he's just, like, an underrated comedy actor. He had a great run on The Office, Mm -hmm. um, Hot Tub Time Machine, Mm -hmm. um, This is the End. I mean, he's just always really good. Uh, Pineapple Express. Good stand-up, too. I don't know why he's doing Pizza Hut commercials now. I know. Uh, Yes, I'm Or, no, he's doing Pizza Hut, and he's doing the other, um, he's doing the gain ones. Uh, the the gain the laundry ones. What's the song he sees? He's like he's like oh he's singing a song and it's so catchy and I sing it anytime I'm you know those are those football commercials that come on every yeah. every week. But yeah. Zach and Miri, uh, so Zach Brown, Seth Rogen, and Miri Miriam Linky. What a horrible mm-hmm. <laughs> played by Elizabeth. The Banks are roommates in this Chantate, if we could even call that that. Yeah, uh, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. The best bit of Easter egg I I found researching this because I I caught a few things. I was like, is that Tom Savini in a little cameo as like the guy that lends them that space that gets destroyed? Uh, It was. And I was like, look at those uh, hockey uniforms they have, the Monroeville Zombies. Monroeville, the mall, that's where they shot Don of the Dead. So that's all homage to George A. Romero. How about that? Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Good catch. Yeah, I was like, I was like Pennsylvania. I was like, I was like, a couple things are happening here. So I went and looked it up, and sure enough, that's the Dawn of the Dead Mall that they keep going to. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. 
But they're living in the like slums right now, and you know, horrible winters. They got to go start their car. I always like this moment too, where Zach puts the hand warmers, and I've been familiar with those hand warmers because you know sometimes you got to put the. Uh, when I used to do the marching band, mm-hmm. you'd have to you know get some of those warmers. And he puts it in his underwear oh, yeah. <laughs> to warm his crotch, and then it like starts burning him. He's like, "It's in my taint. It's in the back of my." Taint. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, it's in my ball hair." <laughs> it's mm. just you see how just you know how awful they are just existing as adults. So they have a great friendship, a great friendship. Yeah. And they put up with each other's um, lack of ambition. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to at least address this Mm -hmm. from the embers of a now dead movement. That would be Gen X and entertainment. Mm. I guess the Foo Fighters are still around. They're still cranking. Sort of. Yeah. But when the Foo Fighters cover the DGs or the BGs, I think we can, whether you like it or not, I think we could admit. I think we liked it. We did, but it's, it, anyway, sold out. They got a horror film coming out next year. The Foo Fighters? Yeah, in like March. Really? It's them and it's like, it's a horror movie. <laughs> so we might have How to keep odd. an eye out for that. We might have to. Yeah. But keep going. You know, if you take some of the staples of what defined Gen X and that was more friendship than lovers and coffee shops and mm. being okay with living in a lower socioeconomic status than your parents were, then I think Zach and Mary fit the bill to the letter. And what I think is effective in this film, and we'll get into the how, in my opinion, freaking high concept this movie is. Mm-hmm. Like literally the title sold the, what's that movie about? Yeah. Right? And then the title became a problem when it promoting did. the film. Which <laughs> I think helped. Yeah. Because then people are like, well, now I really should see it. Yeah. Um, if you like, if you take all of those Gen X staples and measure them against this film, I think it checks the boxes. But what Kevin Smith does is it's done authentically and not inorganically, like not contrived. Yeah done in a way where he got it because he birthed it, man. Let's be frank here. Mm-hmm. You know, mall rats, clerks, that's the beginning chasing Amy. That's the beginning of that's, all of that. That's my favorite. It's a great movie of, of his from yeah. that era. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think all that mall rats and clerk stuff incorporated is at this point Dog, pretty, dogma and all that. Yeah. It's kind of played out. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach and Miri seem to exist really well with each other in the same space as friends that don't see the potential for us as an audience as future sexual partner. Um, you know, he walks in, she's sitting on the can. Uh, they're sharing water out of the basin of the toilet that has shit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've both seen each other naked 50 times. They've both they, like, they are at the bottom of, excellence when you're trying to woo someone else shall we say they're not no fronting straight up Mm -hmm. kevin smith is able because i think he's just in sort of one trick pony kind of a way yeah able to stay in that lane and drive that car really straight towards a destination that i don't think when i first saw this film knew was coming yeah and that's what happens with zach and mary Mm mm-hmm and I think they, I think it's cast really well. I yes. think I did some reading that Smith wrote specifically for Seth Rogen. And if he passed, he wasn't going to know what he was going to do with this idea. Mm. They're both really good in this movie. They're really good together. And this is, is this maybe of, Elizabeth Banks' best film. Probably. Sheesh. I like her in Wet Hot American Summer. Okay, as, fair. Uh, but, um, and she's good in Pitch Perfect as like those snarky announcers. Mm-hmm. Did but, you ever see Brightburn? 
Oh, oh. That superhero. Brightburn. Oh, yeah, that's trash. Trash. Yeah, that's hot trash. And then when she got out of the actor's thing and moved into the director's chair, yeah. that's been a mess. Was that movie 37 or whatever? Oh, she's, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah this is probably is her best uh, thing, but this is kind of around that era of comedy that I've really kind of, mm-hmm. you know, started jumping on board. Um, you know, I was graduating high school and getting into college, but like a lot of really good raunch comedy started coming out around this time. Super bad. Knocked up this forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, I love you, man. Like it was a very Judd Apatow caveat of actors that he had worked with before in various capacity. I mean, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks, you know, go all the way back to um, Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. Geeks. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then uh 40 year old virgin. So they, they, they have a past and kind of a rapport. So getting to see them again in this space with a different director, I thought was very interesting, but, one thing I think makes it better than a lot of other Kevin Smith's films is some of those characters exist outside of our reality. Like Jay and Silent Bob, well, funny. Those aren't real human beings. They're no. just so strange. Right Here, they're like real people with real problems. I really like that scene of them getting ready for the day and they put another unpaid bill into the unpaid bill folder and it's just like, like exploding at this point and nothing's in the paid bills. Well, they're just living day to day again. Their water shut off, their electricity shut off, um, but they're still just trying to make it and just kind of prove. And the big thing that's on the precipice for them is this ten year high school reunion. We have to go and prove that we're not bums, that we do matter. And I love that scene when they're talking in the car. She's like, "I'm pretty, what, as pretty as I was when I graduated." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, kind of." <laughs> What about me? I'm I'm as good looking as 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 I used to be. Did I right? And she's like, "We're better than these people." And the answer is no. Like no. they're, it's hard to even call them. It's lazy, first of all, but it's also just no ambition. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I know people like this. <laughs> well, and isn't that one of the staples, sort of, of X? Yeah. Certainly, Kevin Smith's version of X. Yeah. Um, even in Friends, which I think is the lightest version of X that's out there. And when I say X, I don't mean as in triple, I mean as in gin. <laughs> yeah. Even those people, although really likable, mm-hmm. didn't have a whole I mean, coffee shop. Yeah. Worked in a museum. Very simple lives. Yeah. Here's where Miri's thought process is at at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Although she says, we're as good as these people, the fact that she has her eyes set on Brandon Routh playing uh, Bobby Long. That's so good. <laughs> for a revenge fuck. Yeah. Because he gave her the nickname Stinky Linky back in high school. Speaks to how low the ambition is. And I think that's the mindset of anyone going to a high school reunion. I think the only purpose of going, you know, you want to go show see. the others how good you ended up turning yeah, out. You're you, right. You want to go prove yourself that you have your life together. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have your life together, you're not going. Good point. <laughs> so the friends you have, you see already. Yeah. You're, that's the only reason you're going to these things. And she has one. Yeah. It's Zach. Mm-hmm. But this plan that she's devised what about is... Zach number two? There can be oh. only one. And everybody has that friend in high school too, don't they? That awkward friend that just you guys quote a movie and that's the whole... Re- yeah, did, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my friend. <laughs> well, no, that's different because you built something out yes, of it. Yeah, but, I know, yeah, but there's that weirdo guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could, yeah. Quoting the Highlander as Zach's. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story here. Uh, my, yeah. my freshman year of high school, I had a locker below this kid named Simon. And uh, all year long, he called me Jason. He just, hey, Jason, is this this? And like, I just, I could have corrected him, just decided not to. And he just, Jason, all year, <laughs> last day of cleaning out our lockers, he's like, 
hey, I found out your name's not Jason. Why didn't you tell me anything? And I was like, oh, see you next year. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what's this? He's, what does that matter? Good for you to not make it awkward for him. No, I made it awkward just to at not, the end. Not correct him. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. <laughs> um, okay, so he's the inspiration for a character we wrote uh, many moons ago. Yes, we. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. movie too. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Let's, let's get to that. Are we at the high school reunion yet? Well, okay. Let me finish this, ahead, this yeah. thought with me real quick. Yeah. If she has one goal, which is to seduce Brandon Routh's Bobby Long back into uh look what you missed out on the, on the past or now <laughs> that is a stunning admission into how she's been forgotten, misplaced, felt unimportant, except for one other person, mm-hmm. Zach. Yeah. So here's the thing. And this is, I'm, this is going to pay off at the end. So we're setting this up and I'm going to pay it off in the podcast. Okay. What Kevin Smith and the creation of the story through script is doing is creating a strong foundation of friendship between Zach and Mary that is way beyond let's go have a beer at the bar kind of friendship. Existence, I might venture. Mm -hmm. Those two exist because of each other. And so... As much as the title of this film, I'm almost there. Give me one no, second. Yeah, no, yeah, as much of the title of this film is Zach and Miri make a porno, and yep. the porno part mm-hmm. is what's like punch you in the face. Oh my gosh! What porn? The first three words. Oh <laughs> uh, what? Are what are so important? Yep. Zach and Miri. Yeah, this is their story. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. And then isn't also her like seduction of Ralph too? Isn't that also like a security blanket? Cause she finds out he's very well off in LA doing mm-hmm. whatever. And so then the financial piece is there for her too. Yeah. Not only LA, but maybe I could get this guy to also maybe take care of me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, this is my favorite part of the movie, this reunion scene. Cause it's the lady running the name tag thing is giving everyone a snarky name of stinky linky. And Zach is just, his nickname was Zach. He's like, come on. I didn't have a, a nickname. And this girl's married with three kids. And you hate your, he's like, he's like, he's like, do you want to go have sex with me? Uh, and then you have the, the others, uh, Zach, there can be only one. Uh, but it, then it's in the, the, this, uh, kind of relationship that, that he discovers, uh, one being Justin Long. What's his name? Justin St. Cloud? Jason St. Cloud or yeah, something? Yeah. I'll look it up. He just starts talking up with this guy at the bar and then through his deduction kind of figures out. Brandon St. Randy, I think. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's right. Uh, through some clever wordplay, he's like, oh, you're an actor. Oh, that's pretty cool. What kind of films are you in? Oh, mil- oh films with all male cast. He's like, oh, like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Kind of. <laughs> He's like more like Glenn does Gary then sucks Ross off or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, I might be out of line here, but are, are you in gay porn guilty as charged? <laughs> Justin Long is so good in this movie. What happened to Justin Long? Like he just went kind of the indie route. You know what I mean? Like he's in stuff. He's just like not in a lot of stuff that we watch. You know what I mean? Or cover on this show. Somebody needs to make a movie with these three people. Michael Sarah, okay. Jesse Eisenberg, oh. <laughs> and, and uh, Justin Long. Mm. In a heist film. That'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be good? It would be good. Might be a little insufferable at times, but it would be interesting in the where are they now category. But anyway, I saw your thunder. Keep going about it. you love this this bit. So I know I think they're the, this interaction's really good and it's gonna be important. One thing we failed to mention is when they're getting ready for this reunion, 
at uh, the coffee shop, the Starbucks place that they work at, these two little little dipshits, you know, sneak a little video of her changing in her like period granny panties. Yep. And it goes viral in between now and the dance. And it's already been seen by 300,000 people. So when Elizabeth Banks is trying to seduce Brandon Routh, they come over and are like, this is Brandon's uh, boyfriend. And she's like, oh, no, you're gay? Like, what happened here? And they're like, oh, my God, I never knew I'd meet someone who was uh, famous. And we come to Pennsylvania and look what you, I just saw Granny Pennies. I just saw this. And it's like, and she's mortified. You know what I mean? Like, everybody has a pair of those. Yep. But um, I'll play a little clip here, and then I want I want to hear your take on it. But th- this is just this too it's too much. <laughs> okay, that's enough. I think. Oh, I'm embarrassing him. I love when he gets embarrassed. He's not living out loud, you know. So he gets all like, "Oh, you guys are totally in love, aren't you?" Zachary, we are. Wow. I. Oh God, I just want to I want to eat him up. <laughs> Save some for me. I'm, 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 I can't keep my hands off him. I I'm so you've sorry. Had one too many. I, you know what? Although tonight. he does most of the eating in the sack, if you know what I mean, in the sack and of the sack. All right, that's enough. You look, you've drunk too much. You do this every time. You get too merry for everybody in the room, and you just, you can't contain yourself. Well, I'm sorry. And by containing myself, do you mean containing myself in the closet? In a closet of denial? Is that, is, no, no, no. Is that how I should contain myself? No, but this is exactly why you haven't met my mother. Because you don't know how to ease people into this situation. Baby, you just force your way in baby, every time. Baby, I thought maybe maybe for one second in this godforsaken town, I could be myself. No. I'm so sorry. You, no, you're right. I should just butch up and pretend that I don't love it when you shove your dick in my mouth. Oh, my God. Justin Long. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Rogan's just watching. He's like, he's like in the middle of like a lover's quarrel. He's like, oh my God, they're really going at it. Right. It's, it's too much. I love every second of it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, this is what's frustrating about Kevin Smith to me. Okay. If he's able to find a way to make a celebrity out of Miriam Linky mm-hmm. through granny panties and then have that pay off to some significance later in the film as it's working here now, mm-hmm. because now they have... Idea. A viral star. Yeah. Right. That is really in tune with character and growth and arc and all of the screenwriting things that are arduously long and take a significant amount of intelligence to do. Yeah. I don't know why, Jesse. Because I mean he hasn't been able to do it since. Well, that's that's arduous. Yeah. That's sitting there with the character couch. How do we make this person go viral? They're nothing like, oh, and that's mm-hmm. before viral was even like it is now. Yeah, this is like at the Genesis. It's like yeah. YouTube's viral. Right. And that's it. Yeah. So this is early in that. Mm-hmm. That's painstakingly arduous. Yeah. Why is it then that he has such a hard time committing to a task and finishing it in a way yeah. that matters? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. So, well, one thing that I also kind of read about in the kind of making of this was this was kind of a long thought about film he had wanted to do for, you know, since the clerk's mall rats days was a movie about, you know, using pornography as a way to kind of get by. And over time, he helped build it together. So it's not like it was something that he just kind of came up with on a whim. There was some thought that went into putting this idea together. And he's had, you know, moments of greatness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a great interview with Stan Lee, if anybody wants to watch it, where you can tell how much he admires Stan Lee and how yeah. how fantastic those questions are. And then, Isn't that the first Stan cameo is in Mallrats? Yeah. When he comes up to him on the like the precipice in the mall there? I think you're right. Yeah. 
And then there's the frustration, like way back when I was still reading comics a lot, he got a six issue mini run that was a Spider-Man Kingpin black Mm. cat called the evil that men do. Mm. He made it through like four episodes or four issues and then just Just stopped for like a year (laughs) and then came back and limped across the finish line. Yeah. And I don't know if that's as much as I was saying he's emblematic of Gen X and lack of ambition or is it lack of follow through? Cause he does seem ambitious. I just don't know if he can continue to follow through. Like when he did that comic book, <laughs> uh, comic book store show. Yeah. What was that called? Um, comic book man. Yeah. That was on for three or four seasons and you yeah. could tell, I watched a few of those. Like mm-hmm. he's pretty sharp. Yeah. Uh, that was like a podcast before like podcasts like got yeah. popular. They were like yeah. talk around a microphone and everything. I just, <laughs> I, I wondered that about a lot of directors, Matt. I wonder about why can't they just see it through the end or like recapture what they did here and just repurpose it uh, like again, like that type of like building of characters and world and an interesting scenario. Is he more frustrating with unrealized potential than Shemilan? Oh, no. no nothing will be yeah, as frustrating I, as him. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. Okay, let me throw another one in there. Okay. Rank these three in order of most frustrating for lack of okay. unrealized potential. Okay. Smith, okay. Shyamalan, Orson Welles. Uh, That's tough, isn't it? Shyamalan's number one, Welles two, Kevin Smith three. I think I might go Shyamalan one and then flip the other two. Flip the other two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, Orson Welles made some stuff after Citizen Kane, whether it's, you know, good or not is, you know, up for debate. But, uh, yeah. Did you ever see that movie, Mank? <laughs> Dear God, how does that thing keep coming Ugh. up? Yeah, he's one that's starting to frustrate me a little bit, by uh-huh. the way. Yeah, so yep. kind of see what he's got got in the tank here. But the seat he being Wells <laughs> or Mank Fincher. Oh, Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that the other, I was thinking about Mank the other day, and because you know I saw I was watching a little thing about David Fincher, and it was like a countdown it had like seven in Zodiac and Social Network on it. I was like can't he make movies like that anymore? I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck was Mank? This passion project tells a story that we did. It tells the parts we didn't want to see. We want to see the other parts that were never shown to us. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so the seed's been planted here. Yeah. Uh, talking with Brandon, he learns how much he makes off of porn, doing porn a year, hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, a year. And then they saw how this viral kind of nudie moment uh, went with the underwear. If like we take that idea and put it together Maybe we can do something for ourselves. This would really just be one more thing. I mean, look at us. It's Thanksgiving. We're huddled around a flaming fucking garbage can like a couple of steno bums. I mean, this could give us a chance to pay off our debt, pay our bills, get a fucking nicer apartment with heat in it, maybe. What is it? Miriam Linky. Will you have sex with me on camera for money? I will. <laughs> and then I, there, here's another reason I know why you like this film is like everyone kind of falls into their own like roles. So we already established Craig T. Robinson as like his buddy at the barista guy. And so he's going to be the finance. What does the producer do? Yeah. He finances. He's going to take his money to go buy some TLC flat screen <laughs> for Black Friday. Instead, we're going to put that money into getting a camera so we can have something to shoot with. Mm-hmm. And I love their intention here uh, at the beginning of what they're going to do with it, which is 
the casting montage is great, by the way. Uh, bringing in all these talent and kind of seeing what they can do, what they can't do. Jason Mewes can just get an erection like that in front of them. Uh, but uh, the title that they're talking about, what would be a good... Because he's like, the favorite porn I used to like to watch had like a, like a theme to it, like Edward Penis Fingers or something. Um, and so then they rattle off so many great titles of like movies that they could like do a spin on. And what they essentially land on is uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I didn't snap on that. Yeah. The roles in this team mm-hmm. are pretty clearly defined, aren't they? Kind of like Boogie Nights. And I love that. Yeah. I love Boogie Nights too. Mm-hmm. Maybe I like movies about porn. <laughs> I don't know. What's up with that? Yeah. Uh, Lawrence of Alabia would have been quite oh quite an epic. Um, that's pretty genius. That's good. Yeah. But no, they settle on, settle on Star Whores and... Away we go, and we get through the first day of principal photography, and everybody's feeling pretty good about it. I don't even think they filmed anything. It almost looked like just costume tests and like weapons tests, and every they're getting mm-hmm. like really good. And I was watching, and I was like, "Wow, that set looks pretty good, actually." I was like, "What's?" And I kind of forgot because I, man, I've only seen this once. I saw it in the theater in '09 when this thing came out. It's God, this movie's already twelve years old. Jeez. Um, uh, I've only seen it once, so I forgot. I was like. I thought they don't go through with the Star Wars thing. What happens? And Tom Savini <laughs> lied to them supposedly. And here comes a demolition crew to break down this little storage facility so they can build condominiums here. You know, we talk a lot about soundtracks and music. Um, and we're going to get to some of that a little bit later on. Cause there's a couple of really interesting stories. Um, are you familiar with Fett's vet? Ah, so it's this. This is the song that they're playing when she's doing, doing the montage. Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the group, but when that came on during that montage, yeah, that specific moment we're talking about, I was like, "Oh, that's really, that's really great." MC Chris and I'd forgotten all about that song. Yeah, and I, I didn't. I mean, I think this movie probably introduced that song to me, but it came on. I'm like, "Oh shit, that song! I haven't listened to that in years." Yeah, how perfect. Now, probably not designed for this film. But a great backdrop for how silly this is. But again, editing-wise, story-wise, Kevin Smith being like, that's the song that I want in this right now because mm-hmm. it would totally fit, and it does. Yeah. And the costumes are hilarious. Have you, this is just a little side tangent, but have you ever seen Fanboys? I don't know. Which one is it? It seems like it would be a Kevin Smith movie, but it's the one where their friend's dying of terminal cancer and they want to take him to Skywalker Ranch so he can go see The Phantom Menace before it comes out. Oh, wow. I don't know if I have seen that. Kristen Bell. Uh, yep. It's got it got a few people. Mm. It, it's, it's okay. You might, film? you might want to check that out. Okay. It seems like a movie that Kevin Smith would have made. <laughs> huh. Um, 
I, but I th- guess that song made me think of it. I guess <clears throat> I just keep coming back to the same idea in this movie. And let's be honest, this was not a huge financial success. No, and I'm sure you did the numbers. Yeah, yeah, it was like something like 60 million gross off of like a 24 budget, which is a little pricey for a comedy for me. But then also, what are you expecting the comedy to do? Very rarely do comedies do astronomical numbers. I mean, there's for every hangover, there's like 30 other comedies that Mm -hmm. just barely get by. Not terrible. And, you know, I think the title is also a bit of a, a, it it got some of us in like wondering like, oh, I want to see that. Like, what's that going to show? But that's also a deterrent for other people too that are too conservative and like, I don't want to watch a movie where they're going to make a porno or something. Mm -hmm. Like, we're weird about, like, people are weird about pornography, especially in, like, movies. But here's a film that tries to, like, do it together with Hollywood stars is that's maybe the most success of the film is that they were able to kind of do this idea with this type of talent and have it be a really decent film. (sighs) Yeah, yes. The costumes that they put them in, the names that they give them... The fact that Seth Rogen goes home and bangs out Star Wars, the script overnight mm-hmm. starts to start starts to um, get the candle of ambition burning mm-hmm. in him. And we start to notice Miri mm-hmm. making a little bit more like of the, an admiring glances his way. Yeah, paying more attention to him. The ambition coming through. The scene in this this scene here that I have a, a clip of. Soundstage. We had a shit-covered garage we turned into a soundstage. We find someplace new, and we do it again. How? Okay? I'm broke, man. No, make that. I was broke. Now I am really tapped out. I'm gonna have to get another job just to pay Delaney back, so please tell me, how can I afford to start over? What can I get you? Yeah, can I get a, um... Too fucking late. Cappuccino. 350. Honestly, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I mean... I'm a total loser in every single other aspect of my life. What made me think I could do something as simple as filming people fucking? We have no money left. We have nowhere to shoot. We have no sets. We have no fucking cameras here. It's time I go back to my regular life where I am a quiet fuck up who doesn't cost anybody any money and knows his goddamn position behind this fucking counter making cappuccinos for this fucking guy. And in that moment, he like has the light bulb effect. I was like, well, we could do it here. Look at this camera that's behind me that my boss put to keep an eye on me. We'll use that. And like he he starts putting the pieces together very much the director, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a really great moment. I mean, Seth Rogen's really good in this movie. So this is, yes, he's yeah. really good in this movie. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If they start the principal photography. Mm-hmm. And they put all it like think think beats story right okay. like screenwriting beats here. Okay. All this money into it, they start the principal photography, and then the next day it gets raised to the ground by some demolition crew. Mm-hmm. What beat normally would you say that is? The end of Act Two, second act reversal. Yeah, right? things are worse than when they started. Yeah, if they're not worse than where they started because we're halfway through the film, I think there's I think there's a second one of those. Yeah, it makes it poses a question: mm-hmm. what's left? And again, this is Kevin Smith and the mastery of. Oh, you don't see this twist coming, but there's a fucking twist coming in this mm-hmm. because they are broke, as he said, to start. Yeah. But at least they had a set and they're on the quest, right? They've begun the journey. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Now the set's destroyed. All the money's gone and they, how much worse can it can't get any worse? Mm-hmm. Oh no, it can still get worse, yeah. but, but it can get better too. Yeah. 
man, as far as let's just say this is midpoint beat, the midpoint. Of this, this is what it feels like. God, that's a strong, <clears throat> yeah, strong beat five midpoint. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, what is he talking about? Everybody, go back and listen to the first Ghostbusters. <laughs> It's a shameless self promotion. No, we did it in Back to the Future as well. Okay, so either one of those two, two. episodes to listen to. There you go. <laughs> we'll do it again next year. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, no. With the apartment. Oh, that'd be a good one. Supposedly, that's the other one that they teach it through. I've never I tried mean, it. I Citizen but. Kane would be a good one as well. It'd be fun to talk about that movie as well. We talk about Orson Welles so damn much, we've never done one of his movies. Have you ever seen that movie, Mank? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Oh, God, people don't watch Mank. It, it's two hours you will not. I, I kind of regret now because remember we were what, halfway through that and you were just like, let's just turn it off and just we'll tell everyone we didn't finish the movie. I wish we would have done that now. You know what I mean? Because the latter half of that is like no one remembers the ending of that movie. You don't. I don't. No. We should have just come in here and just riffed and said we turned it off and you should turn it off too. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, here in this uh, sequence now, um, you know, they start putting it together and they shut the coffee shop down for the night. And they, Katie Morgan, who's an actual porn actress and Tracy Lords, by the way, yep. Katie Morgan used to host a show on HBO Thursday late yeah, at night. I, yes. It was like Sex 101 yep. from the porn star. So that's where I remember her from. Mm-hmm. And then I saw her in this movie. Yeah. And a lot of these actresses, you know, when they start doing stuff like that, they are like way out of the industry at that point. Like yeah. they're trying to do other wakes of life and, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do post that, um, that, that life. But so it's that scene with Jason Muse. It's just so hilarious because they're, they're throwing beans on him. <laughs> it's so low budget. They're knocking shit over. And then this guy comes in drunk. Beyond belief from the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Ben Roethlisberger just hug it, chug it, go Steelers! And he comes in and he just sees two people banging on the on the coffee counter. They give him a, a coffee, and I, it's just the way they play it off is like nothing to see here. I hear no evil, see no evil, and they just get him out as quickly as it began. Great, I, I love it. So good. But then they're riding high again. I mean, it's very successful. You know, it, it it's. But now it's coming the big scene, right? It's the one that they've talked about, which is they've uh, they've paired everyone off of who's going to bang who in this porno. Um, but now it's time for Miri and Zach to finally do their scene together. Or like, what, what are they going to do? Um, so it's this, you know, UPS delivery guy <laughs> delivering uh, cream, cream to, to there. and To the wanton barista. Horista. All the lines are just so cheesy. Yeah. They would be, would be lines you would see in like a poorly made pornography. I'm going to give this cream to you. And then he just throws it on the ground and just sprays, it sprays everywhere. It's it's hilarious. And I love when they cut back to like the crew that's filming or they're filming with the camera. They got the boom and everything. And they're just like, this is the worst porn I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And then she like takes his belt off and they're doing like a dance. They're just, they're terrible at it. Terrible. They're so bad at like trying to pretend to be sexy. Uh, but then like the film does like, it, it's, the, it's the moment now. It's the switcheroo. And he's like, let's go bang on these beans. <laughs> he throws her on the coffee beans. And, you know, in pornography, you get in these like elaborate like positions and like the like woman's like on your like shoulders and shit and all this crazy yeah. stuff. No, this is just straight up like just like a missionary position on some espresso beans. Yeah. And then they just go at it. And this is the moment, too, where, you know, that you come in at it, which is this song. So do you want to set up the song or the moment first? <sighs> I have kind of a couple things to say. So let's do can do the song and then I'll backwards. Yeah, backwards. let's do that. Yeah. I knew right away when I saw this in the theater that the song, the, this 
the sex song, the lovemaking song between Zach and Mira, because that's, and he admits it. Like, we tried to... We tried to do that, but we ended up doing make, this. We ended up making love. We tried to fuck from this porno, yeah, and we yeah. ended up making love. This is a very R-rated podcast this week, isn't it? But, that's why we carry the explicit things. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. It was live. Mm-hmm. And someone... The band live. The band live. And I will admit for... My own musical preferences, that is top five to seven all time for me. And I, maybe that's just Gen X, but I love that band. I always have loved that band. I love that band when they first broke on MTV with Pain Lies by the Riverside. I had no idea that that was a non-secular, um, you know, before DC Talk and everybody showed up. Like sure. they, and Jars of Clay mm-hmm. and, um, whoever, you know, that little mm-hmm. revolution that kind of went through like the late, mid to late 90s. And I'm like, I've never heard that song before. So I started digging around. You can't find it. Essentially, in the early days of this, it was a Mrs. Robinson in the graduate clip. And so I wanted that song for years and years and years, but you couldn't find it. Now, you did some research, and I'll let you take it from here, and then I'll tell you what I found later, because then it's all going to come full circle. So go ahead. Breaking. That's RKO Studios. Hey, mm-hmm. Citizen King. <laughs> uh, so I did some research in this thing of just how, like, the mis- the mysterious Scooby-Doo and the mysterious disappearance of the, the live Hold Me Up is the, me up. the name of the song. Uh, do you can, have the sound? I do. I'll play it here in a okay. second. Uh, Smith had wanted to use this song way back in the Mallrats days. I don't know. Where, where did he hear it? He had to have heard it live, like at a live performance. And I think he went to the band and said, I want to use that in a movie. Can I use it? And I think they held out saying... We're going to release it for a single on the follow-up album. Mm. I think the album that... Uh, throwing Copper. Throwing, what a 90s album name, right? Yeah, Lightning Crashes. <laughs> um, so can we use a song? Well, we're going to use it later. Maybe we can use it in the future. And then that just never happened. So it was supposed to be on this follow-up release, and it never got released at all. Yeah. It might have been on some import B-side or whatever. But in 2019... Yeah live re-release Throwing Copper. Mm-hmm. And if anybody hasn't listened to that album, you should give it a listen. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Lightning Crashes, but that's not the best song on the album. Yeah, Check out Shit Town, and there's a bunch of amazing works on that. Yeah. In the re-release... Yeah, the 25th anniversary edition. Crazy. Yeah. Of Throwing Copper, that song was included. Yeah. And so finally, I was able to get... Mm-hmm. a copy of that last night. After we talked on the phone last night, I finally was like, oh, it's there. Yeah. Because I have the original version on my iTunes account of Throwing Copper, not this new one. But you're talking 2019. I mean, this film was 09. It took 10, 10 years, years post this film for that even to show up anywhere. And live took a sort of a sad turn, too, because Ed Kowalczyk, Kowalczyk left the band, did a solo thing. It flopped. They tried to put the pieces back together. That genre is dead. And the non-secular genre version of grunge is even deader. Yeah. And I don't mean in a resurrection on Easter kind of way, like it is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's pretty really, remarkable. I'm waiting for Creed to turn that stone over on day yeah. three. <laughs> I will say this. It's funny. You brought up live live. Mm-hmm. Cause I've seen them live three times. They play this. They absolutely know. Oh, they absolutely saved the canning crows ass one night here. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> they, Adam canning crows is yeah. the worst live band. Yeah. Do play that play that song? Yeah, let's. I'm gonna play the the clip from in the movie. Yeah. Dig it, dig it, dig it. What? <laughs> 
You lost this week, man. I missed it. What happened? Ah, uh, dude, they're on the island or off the island. Who could follow that shit? I think they're in hell. Shut the motherfucker up. Everybody should recognize that that is live. You can tell like that, right? Like that, yeah. You can tell. Can I talk about that moment real quick? Because there's yeah. an interlude where they start talking about Lost. Very topical of the time to talk about <laughs> that show. Yeah. I don't think it had ended yet. I think it was still on the air because I think it, it ended like uh, 2010, uh, like 2011. Katie Morgan's right. They, they, spoiler alert for people who watch Lost. I think they're in hell. They are. They're in like purgatory in that show. Mm. That's the twist of Lost, everybody. So mm. for Kevin Smith, this uh, like, soothsayer, you know, uh, Nostradamus, he was onto something in that little moment too. I like how they break up, you know, what's to them a very intimate moment with humor. Uh, but then when they go like back to that, it's it's shot in a way that's unlike the other sex scenes. You know what I mean? It's different. It feels different. It means different. Uh, this is a great moment. And then when they finish and you know clean themselves up, yeah, she's just beside herself. Right? This is Glowing. just like she can't like believe it's taken a this long to do this, but b that it felt so good. And c what does this even mean? Do I like him? Am I in love with this guy? It's a very loaded moment. As the scene finishes and we recognize like, wow, those two are really mm-hmm. not acting. They're they're into each other. There's a couple of other significant moments that happen prior to the beanbag lovemaking scene. And mm-hmm. that is, you mentioned the dancing. Mm-hmm. They look ridiculous, yeah. but not to each other. Yeah. They're okay with each other. Mm-hmm. Check box one, mm-hmm. find somebody that you can be yourself with. When he shaved too. Number two, you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. He cleans himself up because he wants to look really good for her. Like it's a date. Mm -hmm. Third. Both of them have a moment in there where they check the other one in so far as what respect should mean when it comes to intimacy. He doesn't want her to take her shirt off. And he makes a little funny line like, no, man, my boobs are bigger. My tits are bigger than yours. We're not going to show yours on this. We're going to keep this shirt on. Yeah. And then he has a line in there that says, I'm going to fuck you with my pecker. And she's like, dude, that's offensive. Don't say that to me. And so in the midst of what's going to be this hardcore do throw her down on do the you bag. you want me to say penis instead? Yeah, yeah. In the midst of this hardcore throw her on the bag of beans and have your way with her and make some money. Again, back to that same thing, Jesse. Mm-hmm. When all else is gone, you have somebody that you can keep yourself warm with on Thanksgiving night with the fire that you put in a trash can. Yeah. You have someone that you can dance that stupid with. You have someone that has seen you naked so many times and watch you while you're naked try to give yourself head and didn't run away because that's so Oh weird. my God, I forgot that scene. <laughs> and all of that subtext, all of that subtext yeah. is what's going to play to the second act reversal. And again, I just have to say, however long it took Kevin Smith to do this, yeah. talk about mastery over story. I just... And a dangerous moment too. I mean... Now that these friends have gone there, if it doesn't work, what's next? It all falls apart, right? Yeah. yeah, that's that's the danger of you know getting close with someone that is part of your like little friend click and this yeah. and that is it all just goes to shit. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what happens here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 craziest this probably got the most audience reaction when I saw the film, but because there was so much going on at, at this moment, uh, was. They're filming the next scene because now he's prepping to do his scene with Katie. And she's nervous, so she's like, well, I'm going to do it with him tonight. That way, when we do it tomorrow, it's not a big deal. And 
obviously Miri is really broken up about it. You know what I mean? Like, and but she can't go and tell him this is how I truly feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not there yet. Um, so then she takes him to the bedroom. Whatever happens, happens there, and she's really upset about it. So the next day when she comes, I'm here to do my scene with Lester. Oh, you don't have to do your scene because I'm not doing my scene with with her. Like, well, we don't have to do that because he's come full circle already. Yep. So now Lester's going to do his scene with Katie, and she's super constipated. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And they really have it out. Stacy, to spite me? No, you fucked her just like you fucked every other stupid bitch and never gave a shit how I felt about it. Well, that was before. Before what? Look, don't fucking pretend that the other night, you and me, right there, that that didn't mean anything to you, that you didn't feel it too. Oh, you're not getting all gooey on me here, are you, Zach? You know what? If you were any other bitch I didn't give a rat's ass about, I would tell you to go fuck yourself right now because I fucking hate this game playing shit but you you mean more to me than that so i'm just gonna lay this out on front street i know you felt something big something real the other night when we were together because because i felt it too we tried to fuck and instead we wound up making love so if this is what you need to hear in order to keep you from fucking lester if this is what you need then fine here it is i'm gonna say it i love you mary Happy. Oh, Jesus. You better get a hold of yourself, Zach, because we just fucked. Mm. Yeah, she ain't having hey, she ain't having that. Second act reversal. Right at that moment, exactly. I want to say something about Seth Rogen real quick. You know Shane. He came on and did one of the episodes with us. Uh I can't remember what movie it was, but he was an extra on a Seth Rogen film. And I said he was really great on set and, and whatnot, but he said you could tell. He was there, even if like you, he was like in some other place, because you could just tell by him laughing that like his presence was there. You know what I mean? That mm. <laughs> or like yeah. however he does it. But so, but he had he had he had a lot of positive things to say about the experience. I, I wish I could remember what what film it was. That's great. Yeah, but huge man. This is these are daggers, right? This yep. is like I'm rejecting your confession. Because of what you did, and then he's taking it back. He's like, "What if I didn't even have sex with her?" I and mean, it's not even really said, is it? If they did or not? No, he says that he didn't later. Okay, he tells her later that um, I didn't go there. I didn't. I didn't do that. No, she knows though. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, uh, Lester, break up. Lester pulls out the Dude. camera guy. Gets shit. Frosted man. It's so disgusting. It was the gross out moment of the movie, and. Zach leaves in, and that's what causes it. Is he leaves in a huff, and everyone freaks out. And so then he's just, he's like, "Who cares what happened? I'm covered in shit, man." Yeah. Oh god, it's <laughs> just so brutal, gross. Uh, and then we cut. Uh, what do we do? Three months later. Mm-hmm. Three months later, well, Mir comes home, and Zach's packed oh, up all, all his stuff, stuff and, yeah. and he's gone. So the movie's not done. They don't have a product. They are not even friends anymore. So I guess that's worse than. What I told you earlier was the midpoint, or what we decided was the midpoint, yeah, because is, at least is, they still had their friendship. And you're right, though, because the title of the movie is them. Like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that moment tied to the porno. It would be the moment tied to them, right? That's okay. Yeah. Underneath the exterior of Kevin Smith, I think, is a kind, gentle romantic. Sure. He has his own way of getting there. And I think we've seen him try to play that out a few times. 
Jersey Girl might be an example. And Chasing Amy. And yeah. Chasing Amy. Yeah. One of those, I think, films really works. Mm-hmm. One of those films really doesn't work. And it's not a result of the lead actor because Ben Affleck is in both of them. <laughs> but Chasing Amy is really, really good. Yeah. And Jersey Girl really, really isn't. But they both hinge on, and now Zach and Mary, yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Romance. Yeah. Kevin Smith likes romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, go figure there. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't seem like the type. No. But three months later, Zach's taking a job getting shot shot in the nuts with paintballs from the same little dips that... Uh, shot granny panties. Shot granny panties mm-hmm. at a Pittsburgh Penguins game. And isn't that the thing? Is that why you also like Kevin Smith? Doesn't he, isn't he the Islanders jersey? Doesn't he wear that? Or am I thinking, or does he wear a different team? I think he's the... I think he's the Penguins, actually. Is it? He's a pictured pen. Yeah, no, it's not an Islander guy. Oh, look it up. That's Ralph Macchio. <laughs> he's the Freddie Fernandez, right? Speaking of the Islanders, good God, uh, lost eight straight. Eg, seven guys on COVID protocol. Oh, geez. Lost. They just opened this brand new arena, UBS Arena. Yeah. Four straight losses. They've scored like seven goals in eight games like they are they are it's getting late early on the island uh, for a team that just missed the stanley cup by a game in two games the last two years they're they're almost buried they're now. on the they're yeah. on the brink oh, yeah, it's yeah, getting yeah. late early oh yeah sorry about that it's okay uh, <laughs> come on isles come on do it uh craig robinson comes and rescues him and he's like mm-hmm. hey, well kind of the subtext of his character is he's been waiting for like a settlement to come in mm-hmm. uh and it finally came in, so he's got all this money, and he's like, he's like "What? What are you guys talking about? You finished the the thing?" He's like, "Yeah, we finished it." And like, we had all this money, and do you want to come check it out? Do you want to come check out the finished product? So, an invitation to his house where we get to meet his wife, which that seems that's great. Too. Tisha Campbell. Oh gosh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and you just kind of see their dynamic of them both kind of giving it to each other. <laughs> Um, but when he finally goes downstairs and sees the editing studio uh, with. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but he's the guy that operated the camera, uh, or he was, and, and the other guy that was in it. Deacon. Yeah. They're kind of going over the footage, like, yeah, this is all pretty good until we get to this, uh, this Bullshit. scene, this yeah. scene, and it's like, this comes out of nowhere, and they, he kind of sees it, and it's a light bulb enough for Zach to realize, gosh, I really should let bygones be bygones and just go apologize, make up, and see what we can salvage from this situation yeah and i like how they call like <laughs> robinson like this like cupid and like the way he staged it was him specifically to come see this yeah. forget the movie this is what we're trying to fix here and then he goes to the house and mary's taking a dump and he's bearing it all again and she's listening and she's a little bit more reciprocated this time and then lester comes in all buck naked and he's like, oh, gosh, what's been going on here? Are you guys together now? What's happening here? And then the Dutch rudder scene, man. Like, Hilarious. Oh, I, I, remember two, I remember two things specifically. The getting shit on and then this. The Dutch rudder. This. It was, I was like, it's like you're jerking me up, but you're not doing it. It's I'm doing it. It's like a ghost doing it. And I'm like, God, God. Yeah. <laughs> Those dialogue like that is just, it feels so <clears throat> organic to me at times from someone who knows comedy. Yeah. And how to weed in, especially raunch comedy, because mm-hmm. that's not for everybody. No. So a very specific person's watching this movie. Uh, but to come up with lines and stuff like that, and that's what that Apatow comedy troupe, was what I guess I'll call them, the Paul Rudds, Carell, Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, that whole gamut of films that they create, Jason Siegel, mm-hmm. they're so good at this. Mm-hmm. Jokes like this that when they show up, it's 
things you've never thought about in your life before. And when they happen, like you can never forget them. Yeah. They're really well thought out and really smartly put together. Um, but we find out that Lester is, uh, he's just staying there. He's like, when you left, she couldn't pay the rent. So I decided to come chip in and help out. Mm -hmm. So that's like a weight off his shoulders. And then finally, finally they can, you know, make it happen. But I, I have a question for you, but I've been talking a lot. I want you to kind of chime in here. Comment on anything that happens here in this end sequence. But then I have a second question for you. If they don't get together, is that a potentially different ending that this film could have had? I, you know, it's nice to, it's satisfying to see them end up together, but do we learn more about everyone in between if they don't get together a little more poignant? Yeah, maybe um, be a little bit more. I know they get together in the graduate, but do they? <laughs> Oh, so you're saying like the movie ends where it ends and then he carries her off in his arms, fireman style, and then six months later they're broken up. Is that what you're saying? Or he never shows up at the apartment? Which which scenario are you giving me? Or she shows up at the he shows up the apartment and rejects him oh. because she's she's has someone else. Um then I think it's five hundred days of summer and you better have an out for him as he leaves to give us some light into something else. And it could be this partnership into pornography that they have. It could be. Yeah. Um I don't like, no, I don't like that ending. Okay. Yes, all of that is possible. Could be poignant. It could be all these things. I'm glad Kevin Smith didn't go that route. Okay. They're supposed to be together because it's been really set up subtly multiple times that we've discussed and even more that we haven't. They're supposed to be together. And whatever space that is, like it only needs to make sense between you and the other person you're with. And I think it makes perfect sense for the two of them. So yes, they need to be together. And I love that it's fireman, carry her, into the wrong room, which used to be hers. That's now um, Lester's. What is he just all splayed out naked? Is like I'm assuming so. <laughs> yeah. Everything's out. Yep. Uh, okay. Excellent. Well, that's that's the end of five uh, five hundred days of summer. Jesus. This is the end of Zach and Mary uh, make a porno. And like we said, the numbers were you know kind to it for what a comedy you know should be mm-hmm. for the most part. But uh, I think you know, like I said, it was hard to market. I mean, there was posters that they just couldn't even show because they were too suggestive. Um, they resorted to like a stick, stick figure figures. poster that was like, "This is the poster because it's so titillating. We can't show you anything from the movie." Mm-hmm. Also, very genius. You know what I mean? So they they, they kind of ran into like a, and I think it, it went to the NCAA, uh, NCAA, the MPAA, and got rejected quite a few times mm. before it finally came back with. Like a hard, a hard, a hard, hard that was like borderline going to go NC-17, which we all know that's the kiss of death. death yeah. Um, but a couple questions for you and we'll wrap this thing up. What was your favorite tasting note of Zach and Miri make a porno? That bean scene. The bean The scene. making love on the bean scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Where does that rank in all time scenes for you? Because I know you've, you, you've, to me, whether on the show or off mic, you've mentioned that a lot. Like, is that one up there for you? Top 10. Yes. Excellent. Oh, mine's the high school reunion. That so That's just, there's so many jokes and comedy moments there, but Justin Long and Brandon Routh, like, and they come back here in the end credits. Mm-hmm. I love it. I just love the banter. And Brandon Routh, who, like, had his moments with Superman, and that's a disaster into of itself, um, is really good in these, like, little cameo roles because he shows up in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World as one of the, the seven evil exes, and he's really good as, as his x number three so mm. uh excellent what's the hang on a second here you got to queue up what's the oh my God! moment of zach and mary 
Tracy Lords in the bubble. Oh, Jesus. I'm just going to leave it at that. We're not going to get into much more. Her name's Bubbles. Her name Bubbles. Um, I got to pick the the shitting on moment. That was yeah. like a all-time gasp in the theater moment where oh, yeah. people were just like bes- oh. besides themselves. You know, you know, like when you get like a good audience and they just react exactly how they're supposed to. It was that moment. And yeah. I've always remembered that scene specifically. How can you forget? It, it was nice to revisit this, uh, just because I got I got to see the elements of the story in play again. Because mm-hmm. I'd forgotten about some of these things, and there had been twelve years, like we said. Who's the master distiller on Zach and Mary? I mean, go ahead. Yeah, it's Kevin Smith. Yeah, it's his best work, maybe chasing Amy close second. It's his best work. I'm going to give it to Rogan and, and Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. I think this is a twosome that I don't know if anyone other like pictured on screen together is working. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to kind of, you know, peg Elizabeth Banks as like a leading actress when she should be. And, you know, she, she shows up in like a lot of supporting fare uh, throughout films, whether it's role models or wet, hot American summer, she's always kind of like the supporting element, but here she's able to kind of share with Rogan, who I've always been a fan of his from, uh, knocked up the freaks and geeks days. And there's another show they did, which was called undeclared, mm-hmm. um, another Apatow show and super bad. Of course, I even, you know what? And I, I know I'm in a minority on this one. Cause no one talks about this movie. I really like that green Hornet movie he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a comedy take on the character. I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm a fan of his, but they're good together. That's the thing is that's a good pairing, good chemistry, like you can tell when people just like don't click on screen, especially in a film that's a romantic film. <laughs> Shockingly, they do have good chemistry. They look good together on screen, which you never would like. You said, exactly. who would have thunk it? It fits. It fits so well. So I'm going to give it to them. I think they're both really good in it. Good performances from both of them. Good choices. Um, how are you going to rate and grade Zach and Mary? Make a porno. We have Rocket, Well, uh, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, uh, this is perfect. Excellent. Not a bad moment in it. Top shelf with a bullet. I love films that can be watched and enjoyed in different levels. You can just watch this movie and enjoy it as yeah. entertainment. If you want to dig in, you can like break down theme and writing and all that. And then there's enough interesting pieces in it for me to want to do the backstory research, whether it be live mm-hmm. or the anecdotal moments that sort of came up with it. I love this film. Yeah. It'd been a while since I'd seen it. I'd forgotten how much I appreciated it. I knew I liked it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Amazing film. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, I'm going to go single barrel minus. Uh, like I said, I hadn't seen it in a while, but like when I was here and kind of watching and just kind of seeing everything in play, it's yeah, I'm right there with you. This is probably Kevin Smith's first or second best of everything he's done. Uh, everything really clicks. It's really, it's really funny. It's a really funny movie. Uh, you know, you know, profanity used in comedies can be, well, if it's overdone, it can be off-putting at times. Like, just kind of see, you know, a Tarantino film for some people. It's just like, gosh, like, like too much. But, like, here, it, like, it really fits. It really works. It fits the world that they really set up. I, like, I really forgot how dour they are. The, the steno bums on Thanksgiving, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, they're real, the acting's really good. The writing's really good. And if you can get over if you're that person that has, like, a pornography block in your brain and you can get past that um just kind of see it and how it works its way into the story because i know that probably hangs up a lot of people to the point where i think people just sell this movie is just it's called zach and mary and they leave off the make a porno part yeah um which i guess is fine i mean we just we kind of decided that's what the movie's about anyway so yeah and the porno piece um 
ends up being more like just a really elaborate set piece. That's not what the story exactly. Is. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just part of like what is guiding the story. It isn't the story. Yeah, it's like you said. Most people just call it Zach and Miri, mm-hmm. which goes back to what the story really is. The two it's, of them. It's yeah. this romance. Exactly. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, Single Barrel Minus. I think this is a pretty unique comedy, especially around that time where like a lot of these were coming out, and it was just like. Oh gosh, some of these are good and some of them aren't good. Like get them to the Greeks, not that great, but mm-hmm. Sarah Marshall, the hangar like this, like these are really great comedies that we can go back to time and time again. But no, this was great. I was glad you picked this one. Cause I know you had been churning this one in your brain out. Wow. When, when can we put this in at some point? Uh, I'm glad you finally had the opportunity to do it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's wrap this up with our nightcap. You ready? Mm-hmm. Do you like that tune? That's good. I think it, it I like when it, because it, it starts out kind of slow. And then when it hits that moment, when he hits that snare and just goes into overdrive. Mm-hmm. And then it has like a third piece where it's like, like, I like, I like that. Yeah. It, they rock pretty hard. It has a variation on just in, in three and a half minutes. Not a very long song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. Talking about that song and how kind of it was an elusive song for you to fit. And I think a song used in a very, the most pivotal scene in the entire film, mm-hmm. the moment. Uh, songs are used in films all the time to a variety of extent. The example I think I gave you was the montage of Derek and the Dominoes' Layla in Goodfellas. Yeah. The finding of all the hits. A great sequence. It's, it's, it's one of the best moments in that entire movie. Take three songs. Uh, your favorite three uses of songs in films. And if you could explain the moment too when it happens. Number three for yeah. me. Yeah, go three, three, two, two, one, one. That sounds good. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. In Spider-Man 2? No, no. Oh. Butch, Butch Cassidy. Okay. And the Sundance Kid. I like it in Spider-Man 2 yeah. as well. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the bicycle yes, scene. Yes, um, mm-hmm. uh, It feels unrequited and a little bit clandestine and a little flirty and totally out of place in that movie because that's a Western film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that is a Burt Bacharach song initially before B.J. Thomas did it. Uh, it is. Quote me on that. I, but think, I think that sounds about right, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's number three for me. Oh, great song. Uh, just uh, disclaimer here. I, found, I got off the phone with you and I pitched this uh, question to you. And then I found a video on YouTube that had just like a hundred of them. Oh, cool. And I watched it just to get some inspiration. And I was like, this is my list of the day. Uh, there was a lot in there that I was like, oh, God dang it, that's a good one. But like, I already have my list, you know what I mean? So maybe we'll do this again and it could be three different songs because okay. music and films is so important to me and the context of how the song's used in the moment. Like, Zach and Mary is such a great example of how it's used, its execution. Yeah. My number three, man, if you ever needed to know tonally how this sequel is going to be different than your latter entry, just put this rocking tune here in this intro of this character. It's Bad to the Bone by George Thurgood and the Destroyers. T2. Mm-hmm. I think that moment is te- Cameron telling the audience, this isn't the horror slasher we did last time. This is going to be a fun action adventure with Arnold stepping with the boots. And he does look bad to the bone in that moment, too. Yeah. Uh, Give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. I don't know if I necessarily love that song, but I love how it's used in that moment to show us tonally. This is a different ballgame, people. 
What's your What's your number two? That's a great choice. I, I didn't even think about that. That's Thanks. such a strong entry. Thank you. Um, it's by Camera Crow. Okay. And it's a post-credits montage, okay. actually. Okay. It's from Almost Famous. Okay. And the song is Feel Flows by mm. the Beach Boys. Good one. Not a band that I really care a whole lot about. Yeah. But that song's really ethereal and weird, and that it's the oversound as we look at the snapshots that William's taken with his Polaroid of his journey into manhood. Good choice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Go listen to that episode when we broke that whole thing down. Yeah. That was a good one. Good one. Thanks. My number two, I am going to go, uh, hang on a second. Uh Did I already forget? No, I didn't. I'm going with Time in the Bottle by Jim Croce, X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm, So good. Isn't that the best moment of that movie is when Quicksilver goes into Quicksilver mode and Mm -hmm. saves everyone in that kitchen and Mm -hmm. it's, he's touching the soup, he's touching that and everyone's everyone's moving so slow. And and then when the scene ends, you see how fast it really (laughs) went. Oh, there was a lot of expectations, I think, for Days of Future Past because that was like a crossover we were curious about, Mm -hmm. which was the old cast with the new cast. I think it's a really good movie, um, but that moment is the standout. Everyone wanted more Quicksilver after that because it was so cool, and they did it in the next one. Yeah, that's a good choice, dude. They did it in the next one. Do you remember with the blowing up of the X-Mansion? They did the Arrhythmic Sweet Dreams Are Made of the yep. That's also a good yeah. moment as well, so my number two. Number one. Okay. From a, another film that we've also covered on here. Okay. An Australian group. Ooh. Wolf Mother. Okay. The song is Vagabond from okay. 500 Days of Summer. Oh, nice. When he's dribbling the ball. Yes. Boom. Boom. boom, boom yes. Boom. I love the montage that that works into and the way the screen gets erased and it's just him. Like, I love it. When you said Wolf Mother, I was like, Joker and the Thief? Mm-hmm. Poker montage mm-hmm. from <laughs> Hangover? Yeah, that's a good one too. Yep. Great choice. Wolf Mother, another kind of just... Under the radar band Excellent of like band. late early two thousands, like no one ever really talks about them. Yeah, my number one, primarily because I love the moment so much in the movie and the performance uh, with Mister Bale is incredible. It's Hip to Be Square by Huey Lewis in the News, films American Psycho. Oh, wow, uh, this is when he kills Paul Allen and he's like, in eighty seven, Huey released this for their most, and he's just like breaking down the band for them. And and then at, when he gets to the right moment, he's just like, I'm going to kill this guy. And he mm. just starts chopping at him with an ax as the songs of hip to be square keep playing. And it, it, Huey Lewis and is an interesting band for me because it's, it's almost, it's a perfect band for me because it's horns, uh, rock jazz, rock hybrid that somehow works Yep, in the right uh, power of love. You know, uh, I want a new drug, but that's in, in the context and of, soul. of, oh Yeah of that like gruesome murder in that scene. And just, you see how sociopathic Bateman is when he's more concerned about breaking the band down than he is about the act of murder. That's secondary to him. He wants to show how smart he is about what he knows about this group. Great choices. Oh yeah. There's so many. Like I'll, I'll send you the link link, link to that video because it it was like, Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's another good one too. Uh, You said 500 days of summer. I always kind of thought of, you make my dreams come true by hollow notes and the mm-hmm. post sex montage, which is my favorite part of that movie. It's good too. Yeah. So, so many different possibilities. Uh, like I said, we'll have to do this again. And I think we can come up with three other different choices uh, and their use in context. It's been forever since we've done a shot. That sounds like almost a shot episode. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Do like 10. Yep. 
five or ten mm-hmm. we could probably do ten we probably could easy yeah yeah excellent well thank excellent. you for bringing this one to the the table this week matt this was fun talking about zach and mary make a porno everyone go check it out it's on tubi right now uh tubi is a free streaming service you only have to watch like five or six ads throughout the viewing of your uh film you don't have to pay anything everybody come on go check out they have a great selection of films yeah and tv mm-hmm. uh you watch gi joe <laughs> Uh, excellent. Well, it's my turn, Matt. It's next week. It will be my little uh, thankful pick. And much like yourself, there was a list of films. Like, I think I told you one of them last week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, everyone knows I love the thing. So of course, big trouble. There's so many films I could pick in this moment here. Uh, but I think we could weed those into some casks that we could have some fun with for a couple of weeks. You're going to be a little surprised by my pick, I think, but I think we're going to have a great discussion next week. This is a film. This is my favorite film from the Hollywood studio era of making films, so 1940 to 56. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I know we've talked about it before, but I'll, I finally get to tell you why I like it so much, and it's going to be a hell of a discussion. We haven't even talked about this actor yet. Matt, we're going to talk about The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah. Great choice. That's going to be fun, right? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's one of my favorites for a lot of reasons, but the casting, the direction of that story, it's essentially a Western uh, treasure hunting film with some really great performances by everyone involved. And I can't wait to talk about it. I mean, one of the first times I saw it was when I took your class and you know, that that one's followed me a lot, not only in anti-heroes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, malicious characters, but also in left open endings that are a bit bittersweet. So I can't wait to talk about it with you. And we haven't done a older film like this in a while. So no Bogart, no Bogart. We haven't done Bogart. And I wanted to stay away from horror and superheroes because we've kind of done a lot of that as of late. So what could be more different than this? (laughs) That's a great choice. Excellent. Yeah. Fun. This will be fun next week. Mm -hmm. I think 1947 or 48. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So go check that one out. That one might be on HBO max actually. Um, but until then, cheers to cheers, you. Cheers to you. Uh, check us out on our social media platforms at ryesmellproductions at gmail.com. And if you want to chime in on your favorite songs, hit throw it, throw it on that email there. And then uh, leave us a rating and review on any of your podcast sites. Helps other people find the show. And I know iTunes has done a, a lot of restructuring in their ratings and the way people listen to podcasts on there. So yeah, any, any ratings help on there on any site, any follow subscriptions. Um, they're all really good. So until then, Matt, I got to get going. I'm going to go, uh, <laughs> I had three things I was going to say, but I'm going to go with this one. I was like, I'm going to go check out what's on Skinamax and maybe Lawrence of Alabia will be on there. <laughs> I don't even know where to follow that up with. That's a, yeah. <laughs> Who's playing that Peter O'Toole character? <laughs> Peter O'Toole. Boy, where do you... Yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Zach and Miri make a porno is property of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and View Askew Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Hey, how'd it look? How do you think it looked? It looked like shit going into other shit in focus. What an artist. That was Kurosawa's motto. I think shit going into other shit.